Well, again, good morning and welcome to Grumlaw Church. We really are so glad that all of you would choose to decide to make Grumlaw a part of your week. We do not take that for granted, but enough of kind of all that stuff. Because I'm really excited for this morning because who is ready for some bad advice, right? I mean, nothing like carving out a little bit of time to make church a true priority in your life, only to realize that, yes, indeed, we are starting a brand new four-part series titled, you guessed it, Bad Advice. Now, as we kind of dive into this series here this morning, can I ask all of us to kind of have just a vulnerable moment with ourselves? When you examine your life, when you look at the way that you live, the way you behave, the decisions you make, it sure seems like all of us, including myself, we follow some bad advice way more than we maybe would like to admit. For instance, and I guess we're just kind of diving head in here. Can can any of you remember the first time that you saw a sexually charged scene in a movie or a television show? And and, and how immediately, almost instinctively, you just felt dirty, embarrassed, guilty. I mean, mean, your conscience was on high alert. Well, Well, fast forward now to present day and I would venture to say that probably the majority of us have at least increased our tolerance to consume this type of content. We'll actually so, go so far as to say things like, ah, it's unfortunate, but if you want to watch a good show or you want to watch a good movie, that's just kind of part of it. We, we, we justify it saying things like, ah, it doesn't really affect me, or when those type of scenes come on, I turn away, or, or I fast forward. We'll actually go so far as to actually recommend shows and movies with this content to other people, despite the fact that at least at one point, our conscience was screaming to us, stay away, this is not good for you. So what we're going to do over the course of this series is is present some bad advice that, that our world regularly throws our way. And I think that what we'll all see, at least in the context of church, is how painfully obvious it is that this advice is indeed terrible. And subsequently, we'll take a look at the better, the really good advice that God would like to offer us through his word, through this book that we would refer to as the Bible. Now, now by the way, this is so, so, so important for all of us to take note of as we kick this series off here, right here on the front end, particularly if you're new to this whole Christianity thing or you're just kind of beginning to explore your faith. God does not want to just offer you something different. God actually longs to lead you towards something that is better. See, God gets a bad rap with this. God isn't a control freak who's just trying to get you to follow his rules. No, no, what he's trying to do is nudge you towards the better life that is indeed waiting for you right around the corner if you would just choose to follow him. For example, and this can kind of be a hot button issue in in, in our society now, um, God would advocate that you would wait to have sex until you are married. He, He would say that that is something that is reserved for marriage. Because he knows that sex before marriage exclusively, 100% of the time, eventually will lead to regret. See, we in that moment, we're only looking like one step ahead. We're looking to that moment where we're just like, this is going to be really, really great. This is going to feel awesome. This is going to be awesome. I'm attracted to this person. But God is actually looking well into your future going, this is going to damage your future marriage. This is actually going to lead to one of the worst conversations of your life. When you're sitting down with your spouse, your fiance, your significant other, 
and you're explaining to them why you made that selfish decision as they are bawling their eyes out. I assure you, no part of you will think in that moment, I am really glad that I hooked up with him. I am so glad that I hooked up with her. God, literally in every aspect of your life, is looking for you to avoid all of that. He's looking for you to avoid regret. So not just something different, not just follow the rules. No, no, no. He's leading you towards something that is better. Now, for some of you listening right now, that might seem like painfully obvious. You're like, why are you stating this right now? But, but for me, at least, that, that was a significant moment in my relationship with God when that finally clicked, that the God of the universe is looking out for my best interest. He, he truly wants what, it, what is best for me. He's truly trying to lead me towards something that is better. So as we dive here into part one, uh, and before we jump here into part one of this series, Bad Advice, I'd love to pray for all of us. God, uh, we thank you that you are a God that does have our best interest in mind, that you're not just like this control freak that's trying to get us to follow the rules. No, you are trying to lead us towards something that is better, a better life that you have waiting for us, a life with, with joy and contentment and peace. And so, God, thank you for caring enough about every single one of us uh, that that would be your intent. Thank you uh, that we don't really ever have to doubt that because we need to look no further than the cross, that you sent your one and your only son for us. And so we just ask right now that uh, as we hear these words, we wouldn't be elbowing the person next to us or quickly making a list of people that ought to hear this. We ought to look actually to ourselves and say, God, what do you want to say to me this morning? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, as we head here into part one, uh, I'd like all of you to seriously answer this question. Not necessarily out loud, but, but at least be honest with you and, and really think about this. How many of you have been closer to God in the past than you are today? Or, or I could ask it maybe just in a really poignant way. Did, did 2020 bring you closer to God? Or, or did you drift further away from him? Was there ever a time in your life where, where that daily encounter, that daily time with Jesus was just this unbreakable priority that you never sacrificed, but, but perhaps now you find yourself just spending time with him every once in a while? Was there a time in your life that you fought to be at church every Sunday, but, but now it's just kind of something that you participate in when you don't really have anything else going on? Was there a time in your life where you found yourself sacrificially giving, but, but perhaps now you find yourself hoarding more for, for you? Was there a time in your life where, where you were inviting people left and right to church, where, where you were sharing your faith with basically anybody who would listen, but now it's perhaps become more of kind of like a spectator sport? How many of you could say there, there just used to be a passion there that, that doesn't seem to exist anymore? At the very least, it's cooled down. How many of you have been closer to God in the past than you are today? This makes me think of the young married couple that when they first get married, whenever they would hop in the husband's pickup truck, he would sit there with one hand on the wheel and his other hand around his girl, and they'd drive everywhere, snuggled up next to each other, cuddling, basically communicating to the world that we are in love, we are ready for marriage, we are so excited to be married to our best friend. But you fast forward 20 years, and, and the wife is slowly but surely drifted to the other side of the truck, and one day she looks over at her husband, and she's a little upset, and she says, honey, how come you never put your arm around me anymore? How, how can we never cuddle when we're driving around? And the husband 
keeps his eyes on the road for a second, and then he glances over, and he smirks, and he says, Honey, I'm not the one who moved. For all of the Jesus followers who are listening, who are watching right now, let me propose that if if you don't feel as close to God today as, as you have in the past, God is not the one who moved. So today, what I'd like to do is give you some bad advice and share with you how you, too, can, can drift from God. Now, to illustrate a li- this a little bit better, I- I'd like to actually direct our attention to a parable uh, that Jesus told during his time on earth. A-, a parable, if you're not familiar with that term, is actually a made-up, it's a completely fabricated story, but Jesus would use these t- stories, these parables, to make a very real, clear point. This particular parable is recorded for us in the book of Matthew. Matthew is one of those four books, along with Mark, Luke, and John, uh, that document the life of Jesus. And this specific parable is actually recorded for us in Matthew chapter 13. That's what these numbers here before. And then 1 through 23, verses 1 through 23. Now, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to summarize this story, and then we're going to actually dive into the application in a little bit more detail. So Jesus begins to tell this story of a, of a sower. Uh, a sower was basically an individual that walked around, think of like a fanny pack on their hip, uh, and they would reach into the fanny pack and they'd throw seeds onto the ground, hoping that some of those seeds would take root and, and begin to grow. And, and Jesus goes on to say that some of those seeds, they fell onto a path, and because they fell onto the path, birds would come along and they would immediately eat the seeds. Then some seeds fell on rocky places, but without good soil to kind of take root, the, the sun, when the plants would begin to pop up, would immediately scorch those plants and they would die. Some of the seeds, they fell amongst thorny bushes. So when those plants grew up, they were choked out and they couldn't survive. But some seed did fall on good, healthy soil where it would go on to produce a crop of 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. Now, as you might guess, Jesus wasn't just telling a story about farming. He'd go on to say, and here kind of begins the application, that every single one of us watching, every single one of us listening right now, we're actually one of those four types of soils. So so as Jesus walks through right now and he explains this parable, as he turns this parable towards us and he delivers this application, I'd ask all of you, whether you would call yourself a Christian or not, to kind of just ask yourself this question as we're going through this. Which type of soil am I? Again, don't look to the person next to you, just look at you. Which type of soil am I? So here we're going to pick up here in verse 19 as Jesus flips this around. And he asks us to truthfully answer that question, which type of soil am I? So here we go in verse 19. It says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. I don't say this to make anybody feel bad, not not an effort to guilt anyone into anything. But, but, but this will certainly be what happens to a significant number of you who are watching, who are listening right now today. God's word is literally being thrown out to you, only to be met with, eh, doesn't really make any sense, or eh, this doesn't really apply to me. Eh, this, this service, it's just not very good today. How come he's not cracking more jokes? Like, what, what's with his outfit? Like, does he think he's cool? You, you'll walk away from your screen, you'll, you'll, you'll walk out of the doors, you'll close the browser, and, and literally nothing, nothing will change at all. He goes on to talk about the second seed. He says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and they immediately receive it with joy. But, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now, as you might guess, some of you, this will be you as well. 
This message right now, I mean, it's already clicking for you. You're already feeling inspired. You're fired up. You're ready to make Jesus more of a priority. And so you'll sign up for a group right after the service. You'll start making that daily encounter a priority again. You'll start serving again. But then all of a sudden, boom, something interrupts that joy. Something interrupts that passion. A friend, maybe even a spouse, starts giving you a hard time for giving so much of your time to the church. I mean, shoot, you're not even getting paid. You get a diagnosis, you get the promotion, you have another kid, but basically your circumstances change and you fall away. He continues. He says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, something we would all be wise to keep an eye on. So no fruit is produced. This will be some of you as well. You recognize your relationship with Jesus should be a higher priority. Not, not a word actually that's delivered here on Sunday mornings. Do you find yourself disagreeing with? But life is just, well, busy. You have to work long hours right now because you're trying to climb that corporate ladder. You just got married and you're adjusting to all of that. I mean, he leaves like these globs of toothpaste in the sink. And it's just like, what is wrong with you? And, and she, I mean, now in the shower, there's just hair everywhere. It's like, how is she not bald? And, and now we have kids and, and now we need a bigger house, which means a bigger house payment and crud. These babies, they just keep on coming. It's like, we're trying to figure out how this is happening. And so now we need a minivan and minivans are kind of expensive, even though you don't really want to drive one. I mean, you didn't mean for it to happen this way, but life just got so busy. And and these worries, and for Americans in particular, the lure of wealth, it crowds out God. And he goes on to describe this, this last type of soil. He says, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word, and they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. And and I absolutely believe that there are people who are watching right now whose hearts are good soil. God has been working and preparing you literally for this very moment. He, He is ready and about to produce a harvest in you. He has the ability, in fact, does it all the time where he takes average, ordinary, sinful people like you and I, and he uses us for so much more than we could have possibly ever imagined or dreamt of. This is what happens when the seed falls on good soil and we begin to be obedient to his promptings. We begin to be obedient when he nudges. We give him our yes rather than a no. We make him a true priority in our lives. But, but, but the problem, as illustrated with those first three types of soil, is like the wife who started sliding to the other side of the truck, we begin to drift. One of my favorite things to do in the summer months with my two older kids is uh, grab the kayak, go across the street to the lake, and I'll throw one of my kids on the front of the kayak, the other one on the back. They kind of straddle it like a horse, and we'll go out into the middle of the lake, and then once we're out in the middle of the lake, I just kind of shove them off. And they love just like screwing around in the water and swimming and splashing each other. And sometimes I'll jump in and I'll actually swim with them. And other times, honestly, I'll just sit in the kayak and just kind of watch them because I'm just like marveling at God's creation, thanking God that he would allow me to to have healthy kids, you know, right in front of me. 
And, and even on a day that's not very windy, before long, I'm, I'm 20, 30, 60 yards away from my kids. And then there's this moment of just like sheer panic where they're looking around the lake going like, where in the heck did dad go? I mean, they're just in the water splashing, swimming, just enjoying that warm summer day. And sometimes it'll literally take them 15, 20 minutes until they realize how far they have drifted from me. So many of you watching right now, you have no idea how far you've began to drift from the security, the embrace, the presence, the goodness, the grace of the Almighty God. In the book of Hebrews, the writer says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. So, so what I'd like to do this morning, and, and true with this series, is offer you some bad advice. It's the name of the series. So some bad advice on how you too can drift from God. You ready for this? Here we go. Number one, neglect your time with God. Don't you dare make that daily encounter, that daily time with him a priority. If you have that YouVersion Bible app that we talk about all the time here on Sunday mornings, don't ever run updates. In fact, better yet, just delete that thing altogether. Don't talk to God. Don't share honest feelings with him. After all, I mean, you can't even see God. It's like you're talking to yourself. You look like such a dope. Don't join a group. I'm telling you, I've been a part of these groups before. It is a bunch of weirdos who gather in a circle every single week. They just sing Kumbaya. You know, they drink Kool-Aid. They get all in your business. I mean, you don't want accountability. Accountability is the worst. Isolation rules. When the band gets up at the end of these things and they start singing, that's basically your cue that the service is over. So exit the browser. If you come and join us in person, the best thing you can do is just kind of put your hands in your pocket, stare blankly at the stage, and hope for a power outage. Pay no attention to the truth in the lyrics. Don't you dare get out of your comfort zone and actually start singing. I promise you, and this is a promise, everyone, literally everyone will hear you and your voice alone alone and they will critique your voice. So again, best thing to do, hands in your pocket and just kind of blankly stare at the stage. If you show up in person, be sure to sit in the very back row. Also, show up about 15 minutes late and better yet, come super inconsistently or not at all. If there's a dusting of snow, that is not safe to drive in. You'll probably get in a car accident. You stayed up too late binge watching the Queen's Gambit, <clears throat> sleep in. Your tummy's a little bit upset. You probably got the Rona. You just want to play it safe and stay home for at least four weeks. Ignore and neglect your time with God. You have way too much going on as it is. Number two, Hang around with the wrong people. Now, this is especially beneficial. Y'all should be writing this stuff down because when you hang around people who are worse than you, you ready for this? It makes you feel better about you. 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul actually writes this. He says, do not be misled. Bad company, bad people corrupts good character. Sweet. You don't even need to be a Christian. No, this is true. My dad actually always used to tell me in high school, you become who you spend your time with. So be sure to spend time with people who corrupt your character. So see, if you hang out with people who are pursuing Jesus, I'm telling you, they're going to do really, really annoying things like encourage you in the Lord. They're going to hold you accountable. And again, who wants that? I hate guilt enough as it is. I don't want other people reminding me of that. So again, all you single people, you'd be wise to listen to this, write this down. Marry someone who has no relationship with Jesus. Be unequally yoked. And they don't necessarily have to be a terrible person. Actually, better yet, just try to find a cultural Christian. You know, that somebody who claims that they know Jesus, but there is absolutely zero fruit in their lives. The person that acts one way on Sunday mornings and then somebody completely different the other six days of the week. Number three, give into temptation. I cannot overstate this. Never, ever, 
ever resist temptation. Here's why. Sin is so fun. If you think that's appalling that I would say that and you don't agree with me, you either didn't do it right or you're just lying. Let's be honest. Sin really is fun until it's not. It's kind of like a sneeze in that regard. It feels good coming out, but then there's just boogers and snot everywhere. I know you know what I'm talking about here. I've been to that party. It's a lot, a lot of fun until the next morning and maybe not so much. James, who's actually the brother of Jesus, he says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So give into that temptation, because this is what you want, right? I mean, that's your end goal? You want death. Forget joy, contentment, and purpose. Bring on spiritual death. So don't fight temptation. Don't resist it. Give in. Here's actually some helpful things that you can say to yourself to remind yourself to keep giving in to temptation. This is just who I am. Keep feeding yourself that. I'll never be able to conquer this. So so give that self-defeatment. You're going to want more of that. So so I have one vice, so what's the big deal? Just keep justifying it. And then my personal favorite, you got to compare. At least I'm not as bad as fill in the blank. At least I'm not as bad as Jerry. At least I'm not as bad as Sue. Now, now, if that makes you feel guilty or, or God or your conscience just won't leave you alone, just ask God to forgive you. He'll just keep on forgiving and then just keep on giving in. Hide it, rational it, just keep, rationalize it, just keep on giving in to temptation. And then number four, love this world more than you love God. John, who was actually one of Jesus' closest friends, he says, don't love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. So so that's why you ought to fall in love with the world so you can avoid falling in love with God. Believe this world is your eternal home. Spend your money, leverage your wealth for the benefit of yourself. Seriously, sell out to materialism. Get in debt so you can actually live in bondage to your possessions. Uh, Obsess about the car you drive. Obsess about your hobbies. uh, uh, Obsess about getting in better shape. Prioritize and place all of these things over your God, over your family, over everything else. And if all else fails, just fake it. While you're here in church or you're watching for just this one hour, pretend like you have it all together. Put on a front to make sure that everybody thinks that you are perfect. So even if your wife and you are really going at it on the way to church, when you walk through the door, hey, hey, how are you, brother, sister? You know, say things like fellowship. People love that stuff, okay? So there you go. Fake it if everything else fails. (sighs) Now, that was kind of painful to be that sarcastic for that length of time. But hopefully... Hopefully, some of you found some effectiveness in what I just communicated. Because the truth is, is that many of us, and and often unknowingly, we're following really, really bad advice. You're actually following some or, or much of the advice that I just offered to you. It just typically isn't presented so bluntly. And I promise this morning, I'm not trying to come down on anybody who's watching right now. I'm actually fully admitting to all of you that this was a very real issue in my life. Specifically early on when I was in college, I could fake it with the best of people on Sunday mornings. I knew how to turn God on and off better than anyone. But behind the scenes, I was neglecting my time with God I was almost exclusively hanging out with the wrong people. And hear me loud and clear on that. It's not as if Christians should only hang out with Christians. Not the case at all. But you should be cognizant of, of who is influencing who. I, I was giving in to temptation at every turn and, and absolutely loving the world. 
I, I had, in essence, become a very part-time follower of Jesus. I, I have to think that that resonates with some of you who are watching right now. You've you become a full-time parent and a part-time follower of Jesus. You, you become a full-time student and a part-time follower of Jesus. A, a full-time business owner and a part-time follower of Jesus. A full-time consumer and a part-time follower of Jesus. If you felt closer to God in the past than you do today, God isn't the one who moved. And, and, and if you're listening right now and, and maybe not feeling so great about yourself, you're, you're feeling convicted, don't run from that. Don't resist that. It's a good thing. It's the Holy Spirit drawing you back to your first love. That, that, that's God literally trying to prepare you for the harvest. Your heart is that good soil. Conversely, if up to this point this message has been, you know, basically a big zero for you, it's done nothing for you, and you've been thinking, I can't wait for this to be done, can I challenge you to literally pause and pray to God right now? Make it good. God, will you make my heart that good soil? Because I don't think it's an accident that you're watching right now. At the very least, you're curious. What do you have to lose at this point by giving God a chance? So regardless of where you find yourself this morning, I obviously just gave you a bunch of terrible advice, and now I'd like to offer up some good advice that we find in Scripture, and I think some really, really practical advice at that. But before we jump into this advice, I want to direct our attention to a passage of Scripture that we find in the book of Revelation. It's the very last book of the Bible. And in this particular verse, uh, Jesus is actually speaking to the early Christian church in Ephesus. But, but, but it's a message for all of us who have ever felt close to God at some point in our lives, and maybe now we don't. Or those who have just this sneaking suspicion that something might be missing. So the book of Revelation, chapter 2, Jesus says this. He says, you've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen, even if you know, I know you're in your living room, your kitchen, it's kind of weird. Read this with me. Repent and do the things you did at first. One more time. Repent and do the things you did at first. In other words, return to your first love. Return to Jesus. And I'm telling you, at the feet of Jesus, you're not going to find rebuke, guilt, and shame, but you'll find mercy grace, love. He, he longs to be close to you, specifically you, so much so that he gave himself to you. We'll never be able to wrap our heads around the lengths that God has gone to in order to win us back. That the love that he showed to you on a cross because he so desperately wants a relationship with you. R repent and do the things you did at first. Repent is this word that we see all throughout the Bible, all throughout Scripture. Re simply means to turn. Pent means to go back to the highest. So, so Jesus is imploring you, turn back to the highest. Turn back to God. Turn back to Jesus. For some of you, for the very first time, turn to God. As I said at the beginning, he's not just offering you something different. He's offering you something better. True joy, contentment, peace, fulfillment. 
The, the, the very things that the world is, is trying to promise you over and over and over again, but never delivers, he freely offers that. So, so here's some very, very practical steps that I, I think we would all be wise to take. And, and I did try to put them kind of in order of importance. Number one, daily encounter. I've alluded to this several times. Make that daily time with Jesus a priority. The very first thing that you do each day when you wake up is you pray, which is just sharing honest feelings with God, and, and you spend time in his word. You crack that book open, and, and you learn about God. You learn about the character of Jesus. You allow his word to speak to you. Give Jesus the first 30 minutes of each day and watch how it literally transforms your life. Here are a couple practical tools to make that happen. One is the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, y'all, this is totally free. There's tons of like Bible reading plans on here, devotionals. This would be a really, really great place to start. If you're pursuing Jesus, I can't think of a rational reason that you would not have this app on your phone. So download that app, jump into this thing, and start a Bible reading plan. If the Bible just feels really, really intimidating to you, I totally get that. You're looking at it, you have like no idea where to start. We actually have a really practical tool for you, how to read the Bible. Literally a class that we're going to be offering uh, on Sunday, uh, February the 7th, right here at our Heartland campus, immediately following that second service. The Bible, again, it can be intimidating. I understand that. Show up to this class. This isn't a class for us so that we have more to do. This is a gift for you. So hopefully we can you know, get you to a point where you're like, okay, I'm not as intimidated cracking that thing open. Show up to How to Read the Bible class. You go to grumlaw.com slash discover to sign up for that. For, for some of you, you've been literally going through the spiritual motions for your entire life, and you've never made this daily encounter a true priority. And, and at a certain point, you just need to answer the question, do I believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be? And if you answer that question, yes, it's time to put your big boy, your big girl pants on and make this time a priority, just like you do with all the other stuff in your life. I guarantee that every day you don't spring out of bed going, yes, I get to go to work. I guarantee that every single day you don't spring out of bed going, yes, I get to go watch my kids. Yes, I get to go to class. But you know what? You do. You set your alarm, you get out of your bed, and you do it. I would love to tell you that every morning I just look forward to, and I'm so excited to spend time with Jesus. Some days, absolutely, but there's other days where I'm just like, I don't really want to do this. But I'm like, do I believe that Jesus is who he claimed to believe? Do I believe that Jesus wants a relationship with me? Yes, so I'm going to make and fight to make this a priority. Number two, get in a group. Get in a group. No matter how introverted you may be, none of us are wired for isolation. We're all wired for community. We need other people in our lives who are also moving towards Jesus. We are wired for relationship. And one of the most practical ways to make that happen is by signing up for a group, which you can do today. It's almost like we planned that. Now, I'm about to put on my, this is going to tick some people off hat. Cut the crap with the excuses and sign up for a group. All you husbands in particular who are watching right now, lead your household spiritually and sign you and your mate up for a group as soon as this service ends. And chances are, if you don't like what I'm saying right now or you take offense to my tone, it also happens to be the very reason that you don't want to sign up for a group because you don't want anybody up in your business. Second time I've used that this morning. You're resisting accountability, but we all need that because naturally, left to our own devices, we all drift. Get in a group. And then number three, be here every week. Don't miss a week, not even one. 
For, for those of you who've kind of sporadically showed up in person, keep showing up in person. I probably don't need to convince you of the value of gathering corporately. For, for those of you who are joining online, I, I certainly do not want to push you towards something that you're uncomfortable with. There, there are real reasons right now to not show up in person. But take a quick moment to examine the rest of your life. Are, are, are you kind of out and about in every other area? That's the case. Get back in person in church. I'm telling you, you need this so much more than you realize. Literally almost every week, somebody pulls me aside who's been away for a long time and has chosen to come back. And usually with tears in their eyes, they look at me and they say, I can't believe how much I needed this. I can't believe how much I missed this. Those of you who haven't been in person in a long time, don't feel shame. Don't feel embarrassment. I promise you're not going to be met with questions. We're just going to be so stinking excited that you're here. And maybe that sounds like a bit of a lofty goal to not miss a, a single week. No, not the case with Grumla Online. We know that you're taking away on certain weekends. At least make sure you are joining here online. As we head here into 2021, make this one of your top priorities. In fact, here's kind of a little nugget worth sharing with all of you. According to Gallup Research, there was only one category of people in America who saw their overall mental health improve in 2020 over the previous year. All kinds of categories, males, females, Democrats, Republicans, married, single, 20s, 30s, 40s, 60s, 70s, 80s. But only one category of people in America saw that overall mental health improve in 2020 over the previous year. Want to take a stab at who those people were? Weekly church attenders. So I want to challenge you to fight for this hour each week like you have fought for it never before. Make this one of the hills that you're choosing to die on. I'm telling you, Satan would want nothing more than for us to continue to isolate ourselves. Now, one last thing, and I promise I'll be done. Kind of an added challenge for those of you looking for extra credit. Stop treating the, the, the church, stop treating showing up in these services like a movie theater. This isn't meant to be a spectator sport. Get involved. You have a role to play in the local church. Start investing here. Serve. Give. And I promise you, it's so much less about us needing you and a whole lot more about God longing to use you, leading you towards something better. Re reaping that harvest of 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. He wants to use you so much more than you could ever imagine, but that does not happen by accident. It's not something that you're going to stumble into. It takes intentionality. It takes intentionally pursuing the King of Kings who got off of his throne and he came down to earth for you so you could be sure of his desire to be close to you. Return to your first love.